Hey guys, this is Trevor with the uh, Land Investing Dirt Road to Wealth podcast. Uh, today is was it January 12th, 2022. A bunch of guys are coming in from all over the country this weekend for the Mastermind uh, live meetup and everything. It's going to be freaking awesome. Super pumped. A little stressed out, but super pumped about it. Um, it's really, really cool to have so many folks that are like-minded that want to work hard, play hard, um, good people that have kind of gotten over the hump when it comes to, uh, the day-to-day basic stuff and are now trying to add a big, heavy, expensive tool to their toolbox. So super excited about that. Um, What today is going to be kind of talking about, I'm going to do probably two or three of them. Uh, it's been a little while since I've done one, but um, there is kind of a hierarchy, if you will, <clears throat> on um, what can or can't be done when it comes to these subdivides and the the valuations and, and things like this. And so we're going to kind of talk about it and some of it may be a little over your head if you've never done anything, but it's just something to kind of look at. <clears throat> you know, we talk about the three pillars. We talk about access. We talk about water. We talk about power, right? It has to have access. It's got to have some sort of water somehow, and it should have some power somehow if you're going to do nicer properties. <clears throat> Does that mean you can't buy something dim in New Mexico, 200 acres that you turn into a bunch of tins and owner finance that doesn't have water or power? Absolutely. But when we're talking about better quality products, <clears throat> we said these, most of these are three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars um, that people with good jobs or own businesses, <clears throat> sorry guys, are going to want. You're going to need all three. And there's a right way and a wrong way and a sliding scale on all of them. So what we're going to talk about first is we're going to talk about access. So if it's got a great uh, county, paved county road or state highway access directly to your parcel, that is as good as it gets. Okay. Um, you know, if you've got a 40 acre track, that's got state highway on one side and then uh, a county road paved county road on the other side, that's a slam dunk home run when it comes to access. <clears throat> Next best thing would be paved county road or a very well maintained county dirt road. The closer you are to asphalt, the better. If you can't, if you can basically go, again, from asphalt to your property, that's the absolute best way to do that, okay? The only thing, and I want you to think about this, is the further off the paved road, even if it's good paved road, or uh, dirt road, the further off the dirt, further Mm -hmm. off the paved road, 
the less the less valuable it is for most people. <clears throat> Especially if you've got to go down twelve mile, miles of county road that are county road, but they're not real good county road. This is especially true with long easements and things like that. I personally, when it comes to subdivides, would never buy off an easement. Can it be done? Yes. Legally, in certain places, it can be done. That's not what I would do. Uh, I would never, ever, ever buy off an easement. I build easements, but they all come off of public roadways. And they all come off of paved public roadways. <clears throat> so that's kind of the higher hierarchy there. Um, if it's going to take somebody half an hour, there, there's some places in some of these parts of Texas, it may take you an hour off a of paved road to get to it. It can still be viable, but you're going, it's going to cost you in value a ton, especially at least for the people that, I work with usually people again with good jobs, small business owners, things like that. They're going to come out and go hunting and buy a place. They're going to drive their 50, 60, 70, $80,000 pickup. And they don't want to do it bouncing around for an hour before they can even get to their place. If it's cheap enough and it's a good enough value, people will still do it, but you will automatically lose buyer pool as soon as you make access hard. Okay. <clears throat> Next thing. We're going to talk about water. Next most important thing. <clears throat> water is absolute best thing, right? If every parcel has a tap to rule water, that is ideal. Actually, it's really ideal if they've got a water well and public access water or access to a public water tap. I personally, my personal residence has both, right? I can mix and match. However, I run my household off of a rural water system and I run all my yard stuff and things like that off of a pump. <clears throat> I grew up on a water well. Um, Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not so great, but it's just the way it is, right? Um, if you have both, that is ideal. Um, next would be a water well that's already <clears throat> drilled case, has a pump, and either has solar or power to it. Actually, power to it would be ideal. With your <clears throat> with the well house, insulated well house, um, you know, all your pressure tanks, things like that, that would be ideal. Um, then what you're going to have is you're going to have shallow water underneath you with very low costs of drilling a well in that. Some of the stuff, you know, that is in, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Things like this with shallow water columns with good water, I'm assuming. I don't know. I haven't done a whole lot of that. You know, that's going to cost 10000 bucks or less. That's the next 
kind of on the hierarchy. And eventually you get to the really expensive, really deep, hard to find water. If you have all that, you are fighting an uphill fight. Obviously, it's still better than no water, no groundwater, and no rural water. You can still sell properties that way, but you're going to take a beating on the valuation. So that's kind of that. And then finally, we come to power. So, obviously, ideally, a lot of these tracks, you know, if they had underground power, with meters and <clears throat> everything like that, that's a creme de la creme. But most of these larger tracks, you're going to have overhead one or three phase power. That's going to be, ideally, it would be across an entire side, if not two sides of the track that they can run extra power to very easily and cheaply. The next would be access points along one side and then eventually access points, water access, or excuse me, power access, overhead power access on the lo on the lot, but maybe not to where they exactly want it to be. This is something that we do all the time that on these larger tracks, you know, if you're 10 acres, hell, if you're even five acres and above, we do not drill water wells for them. We do not run power to a particular spot for the buyer. And you're going to ask why. Because my dad and uncle have drilled water wells and run power to exactly the spots they just thought that they knew that people are going to want them build a house on and it's been the spot that the eventual buyers did not want or the people have bought two or three tracks altogether and they've only wanted it at one one spot and by buying three tracks higher volume they're able to pay less per acre and you've already sunk in those capital costs into that track so it's a good way to keep your powder dry and something that you can negotiate in is to get that done for them. But we only do that after closing. So Jim, Bob and Sally want to buy a hundred acre track in West Texas. And we've got power at the corner. Um, there's water 200 feet down, you know, whatever they can buy. The property per a property per acre basis, and then we can also give them a estimate on what it would cost to run power and drill a water well in that vicinity of wherever they are looking to make improvements to. Put that in the contract, and then after they close, we then pay for the power to be run and water be water well to be drilled. We do not do it beforehand because people back out. Things go sideways. Interest rates go up. Cats die, you know, all kinds of reasons. That's a big deal with what we do. Um, and then eventually you've also got the lower end where you don't have power. 
and people are going to, especially, you know, rural hunting places, they're going to have, um, they'll have, you know, travel trailers with generators or they'll have solar systems set up. So on a scale of the best to the least, it would be a 10 acre track. 45 minutes from a metro area that has state highway frontage, a brand new culvert and entrance, and fully fenced with a beautiful new gate that has power all along the frontage and water and rural water tap ready to rock and roll. That's as good as it gets. Cleared, um, you know, maybe cleared on the front side, close to the road, and wooded on the back side of it. That's your dream scenario. On the other end, is 200 acres off an easement that is an hour and a half off the paved road that has no fencing, no power, and no water. So they haul their own water. They run solar or they run a generator. And they hunt that way. They all sell. The number of buyers and interested parties for the the nice properties are much better than the ones on the other end. Again, There's lots of different ways to skin the cat, but that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about the hierarchy of the three pillars. So anyway, listen to this three or four times, understand kind of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Have a great day.